0: Coming up, we'll learn about the 23-year history of Reign of Terror Haunted House in Thousand Oaks, California. From the Haunted Attraction Network, I'm Philip, and this is day four of our 61-day Hauntathon, where we're counting down to Halloween by visiting a different haunted house daily here on the show. Today is Sunday, September 4th, and there are 57 days until Halloween. We also have videos and even exclusive events in this year's Hauntathon. Links to everything are in the show notes. Reign of Terror Haunted House in Thousand Oaks, California, is one of the longest-running independent haunted attractions in Southern California. Their journey has been anything but easy. In this presentation, recorded live during Midsummer Scream, founder Bruce Stanton shares the trials of their 23-year odyssey in haunting. Enjoy.
1: Well, thank thank you all for coming. We greatly, I greatly appreciate it. I'm glad to hear some chuckles because people saw me in the Slayer shirt. <laughs> so, um, and that was, a, that was a speed metal drummer named Brandon out of Orange County that reached out to me and wanted to film something that he had done these pod YouTube videos. And I said, you know, I, thought of, I thought, this would be a great idea, do you know Slayer's right in Blood? And he said, no, but I can learn it. And he and immediately learned how to play the song, came up and filmed. So the significance of the song is, uh, so I, I'm Bruce Stanton, I'm the owner and creator of the Reign of Terror Haunted House, so, so I'm 51 years old, I started this when I was 29. Um, I was a, growing up in the 80s, I was born in Culver City in California and I was a big heavy metal fan and became a speed metal fan and from there on and Slayer is one of my favorite bands and when I initially thought about naming the haunted house it was going to be Reigning because I was a huge Reign of Blood terror, and I would tell my friends, "Hey, this is—I'm thinking I'm going to name this haunted house, and it's called Raining Terror." And, and, and no one, no one got it. They said, "Reigning Terror? What does that—what does that mean?" You know, it's like a spinoff of the. So I got so much negative publicity about it. It's like, okay, well, we'll change to Reign of Terror, um, and that's—but that's kind of how the name came about. So the significance of the song is, and I love that because it—it it kind of brings me full circle of everywhere where I've been. So, the Reign of Terror. Uh, and first of all, I want to thank all of you for coming. I mean, it's an extreme honor for me for, for, to see people come in that are interested in what we're doing. Uh, if you've been to the Haunted House, thank you. If you haven't been to the Haunted House, I definitely think it's something that's worth seeing no matter how far you live. Uh, the Haunted House today, we're, we're located at the Jans Marketplace in Thousand Oaks, who's in Ventura County. And uh, so it, it's 28,000 square feet. We're a permanent Haunted House. It's 135 rooms. It's 10 unique themes. Uh, it's like I said, 28,000 square feet. We've got 50, actually 51 animations, over a hundred static characters, and we have a staff of 75. Uh, we incorporate the biggest state-of-the-art technology that we can with, with our digital scenes and the animations and animatronics and timing that we do. Uh, we have a digital camera system. We now, we can completely control and operate the haunted house through an iPhone. So we can turn our compressors on, we can turn on the audio, we can do everything, we can change our haunted house ambient sound to our security sound. We can set up our Christmas show all through your phone. So, and it's something that we just kind of love doing. But the reality of it is, is how did we get to this point? Because we didn't do it overnight. So let me step back on, let me get my water. So like I said, I was, uh, I started the reign of Terror not really that much different than I think most people that get involved in Halloween. And that's just my pure love of Halloween and haunted houses. I think that Halloween for a a kid, it was kind of the first time that you had the freedom outside of your parents. You got to walk around, it was at night, you might not have done that that much. And I think that's why it was just so inspirational to me and such a a positive experience. Uh, We moved from Culver City up to the Bay Area when I was a teenager. I stopped trick-or-treating and I started doing just a little display at my parents' house nothing more than you kind of see, but it was just, I, I just loved doing it. So in 2000, I, I went to college, I went on, I got a career. Uh, and then in 2000, I bought a home in Thousand Oaks. And then that's kind of when everything started. And I remember not really even thinking about doing a haunted house up until it got very close to Halloween. And then I started seeing Halloween decorations. And I literally think like there was a switch that was just flipped. And it's like all of a sudden, all that, all that experience that I had before came back. And it's like, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. The first year, it was a yard display, uh, pretty standardized. But I remember as a kid going through, someone opened up their house and allowed you to walk through their whole haunted house. And I thought that was the coolest thing in the world. So the second year, which would have been 2001, I, compl- I turned our house into a, com- a, a complete walkthrough. Now, it was terrible. I mean, it was, uh, I I have a picture of the dining room table and there's a person with their head sticking up and there's no coverage whatsoever. You're looking at my everything in my normal house. But Hey, for, for what I had, you know, it was a start. Um, we had about 40 kids that came the first year and we ended up doing it at the house for eight years. Uh, it, it grew from 40 to 400 to 4,000 incredibly fast. Uh, And it was kind of like a creature of my success. And at this time, I wasn't savvy with internet and Instagram. I don't even think Instagram existed. So it just was kind of a word of mouth type of thing. And it just exponentially was getting bigger and bigger and bigger. But it was a hobby of mine and I loved doing it. And the good thing, I was was in a a financial situation where I knew there was gonna be costs affiliated with the haunted house. So I wasn't going to build a haunted house and then stick it in my backyard. I had a nice car, so I wasn't going to not park the car in the garage. So I think I kind of set my tone a little bit different that I followed all along from where I'm at now. And that's kind of like you got to pay to play, so to speak. And I knew I had to invest to have something that was going to be different than what everybody else was doing. So I got a storage unit. And that was a five by 10 storage unit. That became a 10 by 10 storage unit. That became two 10 by 10 storage units. I had a 14 foot moving truck. I had a 26 foot moving truck. We had two 26 foot moving trucks. So it was just exponentially getting bigger and bigger and bigger. We never charged. We had a little donation box out there. And I put that out there really more just for the gratitude because so many people came through and that was kind of a show of appreciation if someone liked it. I never It was never designed to recoup the money. That was, I was doing it just for the love of it. I mean, our storage alone was like $5,500. Um, I found out about the trade show, the Trans World, which is the big Halloween trade show that's in St. Louis, used to be in Chicago, and I started going early on, and I met people that were like me. They were in their mid-20s, early 30s, and they were in a situation where they could start building a haunted house. Now mind you, when I finished doing this at my house, um, the, ha- the house that I lived in was 1,500 square feet. In fact, we're gonna, I'm going to show a slideshow kind of at the end, and you'll see the original house. The haunted house for the last year I did it was over 2,000 square feet. And there was rooms in the front. There was rooms in the side. There was rooms in the back. And it it took over the entire house. Other than a kitchen, a guest bathroom, and a guest bedroom, every house, every room inside the house was the haunted house. But what I did is I built the structure in the house so I could take it all down. So it was incredible how fast it came down. I never put nails in the walls, and there was, like, substructures that were, were done. I started building, like, in September. Now, mind you that the whole house was a haunted house, and it was full of dark walls, and haunted houses are all about being dark. So my bedroom was behind a wall. There's a slideshow in there, and you'll see, and it'll, it'll be quick, but it'll, it'll show you the wall. My bed was on the other side of that wall. So for the month of September and October, like, I was living in a tomb. I mean, I thought it was cool. So mind you, one thing, for everyone who's thinking, I was single at the time. Okay, (laughs) not because of that reason, hopefully not, but the reality of it was is I really could do whatever I wanted. So I was able, I was willing to do what, you know, the neighbors or other people wouldn't because hey, I, I had to answer to myself. So it was a fantastic thing and I loved doing it and it was a hobby of mine and this is what I wanted to do. I used to work on old muscle cars and this became that new hobby I was going to invest in. So my plan was this was it. I was doing a home haunted house and it was going to be fun and when it wasn't fun I wasn't going to do it. But the city had a different plan for me. So at the, on the eighth year and 4,400 people later and KCAL 9 News, you know, covering the story, which they called me ahead of time. This was the first negativity I've ever got about the news. As they called, and they said, look, we want to do a story about the Hanna House. And, and I said, no, you can't because the police are going to shut me down. And it was kind of like, well, that's great, but, you know, we can do it with you or without you. <laughs> so I thought, well, screw you. I'm going to be there at least. So they showed up. It got bigger and bigger and bigger. So the city came to me Uh, And said, look, we love what you're doing, but you can't do it anymore. You're blocking off your street. We were on a call to sack. You've got neighbors and and adjacent streets are complaining. People are parking all over. I mean, it was crazy. Uh, You know, when you think about now, we didn't just do it for one night. Quickly it went from one night to two nights to four nights, and four nights was the most that we'd ever got to. But you figure, you know, we're having over a thousand people on a cul-de-sac that are congregating, and you can think about kids running around. And inevitably, this was ideal that this is what happened. I I later found out that in the line in 2007, the last year I did it was the former mayor and some kind of city city official, so they were kind of scoping me out, I guess. But it it was perfect timing, so. So what they did is they, they provided me a space. They said, look, we want you to do this. We're going to give you a space. Um, Now I did it through the, it was the Conejo Recreation and Park District, which was kind of the entertainment part of any city and all cities and stuff have it. And they were Halloween fans and they tried to do events in the past, but they never could get anything off the ground because they never had someone as crazy as I was or someone that had all the assets. So they provided me a space. It was about 2,000 square feet. So, in essence, we're immediately we've overgrown that space. You know, we're we're gonna, you know, we're outgrowing. But it just it started teaching me, you know, more of what what was gonna be involved in the haunted house. And when I started, even when I was at my home, I would do things that the average other person wouldn't do. I don't know if you if anyone familiar with Haunt World magazine. It's a magazine prescription. It's kind of kind of phased out now. I mean, it was big, I think, in the 90s and 2000. And it would talk about haunted houses. And there was a haunted house owned by a woman, Sydney Neal, that was in Salt Lake City. And it was called Rocky Point. And Rocky Point, to this day, is probably one of the best haunted houses in existence. I mean, it's, it's shut down now. But she opened up her haunted house to professionals and people that were in the industry of kind of laying out what to do. And this I'm four years into my home haunted house. It's nowhere close to something like this. And I reached out to him and said, Hey, I'm not a professional haunted house, but I'd like to attend. She said, absolutely. So I went there and that laid out a foundation that I didn't really realize so much then as now that it set the groundwork of what to do and what not to do. So I feel like I had a huge advantage. And when I'm talking about what do, what not to do, I mean, the reality is it's, a, it's your haunted house. I mean, you can do whatever you want. That's the beauty of it. But the thing is, is we would always kind of talk about this t- term that we would throw around about like haunt stew. So to me, a haunted house, when you go into a haunted house, you want to get immersed in that environment. If you're in an insane asylum, you want to feel you're in a sane asylum. And when you can get that, that's when I feel that you've achieved success. But if you go from an insane asylum into a kitchen, into a fun house, the things aren't making sense. Now, it's still fun, it's entertaining, but it really, it's taking you out of the story. So for me, it was always about... Having, Making sure safety, making sure people's throughput, making sure that the guests had a great experience, that you weren't bunched up, that people got to see the animations, that they had time before they re-triggered. And these are all things I was doing at my house that, became, that are vital today. And they really separate the reign of terror today over like a theme park where you're putting in thousands of people. So we, would, we basically lasted one year at the, the city center, and then the Jans Marketplace, which is in Thousand Oaks, kind of the original mall, they had g- a great relationship with the CRPD, the Conejo Recreation Park District, because of fireworks. And they said, look, we love what you're doing. We'll provide you a space if you do it here. And they gave us, it was like an 8,000 square foot shoe store that we were in. So now all of a sudden, now we're moving, we're taking our moving trucks and we're starting, we're starting to pack up for this new space. They gave me a temporary lease agreement and we're a, at the, a part, as soon as it, it partnered up with the city, we've been a non-profit haunted house. We're raising money for the theater and the teen center and different things without the city of Thousand Oaks. Now we've expanded, and I'll get into that a little bit later. But So that it, it was always kind of a non-profit. And the thing is, again, I have a professional career. I sell dental implants. I'm sure you guys all knew that when you saw me. <laughs> but the thing is, is, so Halloween is just for fun. I mean, people always ask me, are you in the movie business and that? No, I'm not. But I had the passion and the drive behind, and I think that's really what you need. So we started setting up, but at this point, I have to admit that it was kind of like, I was kind of flying by the seat of my pants. You know, we did this home haunted house. It was very successful. It had a lot of control. We had moved once we tore down, we put it into trailers. At this point, when I started to move, I bought a 53 foot semi truck trailer because taking it to storage just wasn't, it just wasn't working out. I mean, it was getting harder and harder and there was so much energy exhausted in just that. So we could store the props to when we were in a certain spot, we would set up an area to where we could store our props. Uh, and then we put the walls and stuff in a 53 foot trailer. So we got this spot for three months. We, we run, the haunted house is about 6,000 square feet and it's, uh, everything's going great. It's the middle of October and the mall comes to me and says, look, we've rented the space. How fast can you get out? And this is like, I mean, this is a haunted house's biggest nightmare. So it's like, well, we can get out of the end of November when you said, well, no, no, we need you to get out sooner than that. So I don't know if it was a little bit of obligation or however they felt, but they said, look, we'd like, we love what you're doing. We'd like to give you, show you another space. And this was above the Gold's Gym. So if you're familiar with the, with the Jan's Marketplace, the gym was an old catalog type store that closed down years, but years earlier. It was converted to a gym and the upstairs was kind of like the attic, um, so they looked at that space and I went and I looked up, at, I looked up there. And the first thing that came to mind is one, is the fire department going to let me do this? Because when I looked at it, there was no lights. It was just, it was a 31,000 square foot space that had nothing in it, wide open, haunted house dream, not a window, not an air conditioning. You know, it's just a black all, all the time. Um, so I said, well, the fire department let me let it set it up. And then number two is, can I leave it set up? Can it be permanently here? And they said, no problem. Well, as soon as they said that, now the Haunted House has really kind of stepped into a different phase of where now I'm, it's kind of like sky's the limit. We're in a huge space. It can be there year-round. We can work on it year-round kind of as, we, uh, as we're building. But we get up into this space the first year. This is 2010. Um, just to give you kind of an idea, from the entrance, there's an entrance door and an exit door. The, the distance between that two is 195 feet. So we've got 6,000 square feet to fill 31,000 square feet. So it's almost like we could have one linear line that goes from the entrance into the exit. And at the time, it was kind of a Victorian theme, stuff from my house and stuff that we had kind of expanded. And we would always build the walls and stuff at my house and then truck them in. But now that we've got a permanent location, you know, now we've got a space that, that we could build, So now it was going with that whole theme of kind of making sure everything made sense. We just continued to add different themes. You know, we would kind of run out of ideas or or run out of space for the Victorian or our traditional haunted house. And then different themes kept adding on that. But but all along, it was always the plan of expansion and what was going to be best for everybody coming through. I mean, we loved doing it. I mean, I used to use the term for years, you know, this is a labor of love and it kind of got kind of cliche and I felt, "Ah, you know, is it really, but it really was. And it really is today because the haunted house is no easy feat. And you got to have anybody who knows, you know, that there's a lot involved. Um, But we just wanted to make sure that we had the right foundation and everything was going to it was gonna make sense. We weren't just gonna throw things together. We weren't gonna produce something that we didn't think was, you know, to the standard in which the reign of terror needed to be. And I think, again, it's that ground rule, that groundwork and the thought that we always had that kept us pure to where we are today and making sure that this event and everything makes sense. So the, and also like with the themes, what we tried to do with the themes was each theme was to kind of target a different level of fear. So our cave is very dark and claustrophobic. We have the fun house, which, of course, be people afraid of clowns and then all the themes. So there was something unique like our, our clown right here in the front. <laughs> so uh, it was you know, just to make. So there was a different in a transition. It wasn't just one long, linear type of thing. And we were kind of never really running out of ideas. So in 2012, We got to the point where we had 65 rooms. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, there's 65 rooms. Now, when it was in the house, it was 13. That's the maximum amount we got at the house. So now we're at 65. So in 2012, another big thing happened in my life. I got married, my wife Mary, here in the front. But I got kind of a, a partner in the haunted house. And in the beginning, Mary was more just selling tickets and there to support but as she kind of understood, she developed the same passion that I did, but had a completely kind of different avenue. And it really elevated up because Mary's more of a people person where I was getting into more structures and making sure that we're building things right. So um, it, it's again, it's kind of that next level. Now, at 2012, 2013, 2014, we're still we 're still kind of a community haunted house i mean we 're not really doing a lot of marketing. we do it We advertise in kind of the local throwaway paper and we we are kind of spread of word of mouth, but that only kind of took us so far so But the other thing is is I would constantly get people that would say, "Look, we want to film, we want to do this we want to and we we typically wouldn 't do it just because we didn 't it did never really fit our schedule, and also we were always building, so it wasn't like they had an established haunted house or something that they could work with. But for those of you, it's just kind of a funny story. I like to mention it now. I did not find it funny. Hopefully you guys sure did. But in 2013, we got reached out by Comedy Central, and they were doing Nathan for You. A show of hands, how many of you have watched or seen Nathan for You? crap. That means more people are now going to watch this. <laughs> so Nathan for you was a, a Canadian comedian that would come in and he would did these spoof ideas where uh, just one of the examples is he had a giveaway where you would, if, if we were late delivering your pizza, we'd give you a free pizza. Well, when you found out the pizza was about that big. So he wanted to come to the haunted house and there, what he wanted to do in the haunted house was create an environment where you were so afraid you wanted to, to try to, you were going to sue the haunted house. So as a haunted house owner, that is the worst idea in the world, to plant the seed that someone could come in. But, you know, you've kind of signed the agreement. They didn't tell you what they were going to do. But if you want some giggles, the original first season of Nathan for You is whatever it is, haunted house, you'll find it. I find it, I enjoy it now. In fact, there was a gentleman just saw, that was downstairs in the convention floor, saw me and said, hey, were you on Nathan for you? So it's fun now. It was a pain in the ass when we did it. It was a 14-hour day. And if you guys are ever in these situations, I highly recommend not doing them. (laughs) So no matter how much they say they're going to pay you, because they always have some loophole on where they don't pay you. we did get paid from that, by the way, and it was, it was, but it wasn't very much. And I think the Jans Marketplace took that because it was, it was really their space. So in 2015, we started with online ticketing. And online ticketing really uh, elevated us to the next level. And we started getting people that come from all over. Just to give you a fun fact about the Haunted House, the number one city of online tickets that people buy for the Reign of Terror is actually L.A. LA proper. So not Woodland Hills or Northridge, but the actual city of Los Angeles. So more people are coming from Los Angeles than our own darn locals. So I'm not really sure why about that, but that was kind of an interesting thing. And then also we just started as we were building and building momentum, it really became thing where there was other structures that were involved. And this is where Mary was critical in the Haunted House. And it became actor training and actor staff you know, before everyone was volunteer, and we got a great group, and it's like, well, what can you do? Okay, do this. I mean, I, I, I feel like it was better than, than others, you know, probably not as good as, as some, but we didn't really have a structure. And when we kind of put the structure of training actors and really valuing the asset on which the actors brought, I mean, I don't care how good your haunted house is. If your actors are bad, the haunted house is bad because no one's going to remember the beautiful sets because when you have some terrible actor that's in your face or whatever they're doing. so But training the actors and making them more involved and letting them help with the flow, you know these were all critical things that we were able to establish that early on that really helped us in where, as we grew and got bigger and bigger. So in 2015, we had a pretty good actor staff, and we had one of our actors. His name was Tom, and he was a resident of Thousand Oaks. He was like 35 years old, and he developed cancer. And he was a young, healthy guy. And all of a sudden, he's got cancer. And this was in January, February, and and there was a GoFundMe page. And we said, well, you know, yeah, we could give him $100, $500 or whatever in a GoFundMe page, but that seems so impersonable. And since he was part of the haunted house, we said, let's open up the haunted house. We'll open up the haunted house. It happened to be in February of 2015. And there was, was a Friday the 13th, so I thought, well, great. no know nothing better than that, you know, Friday the 13th. So we opened it up. Every dime we made, except for some small expenses, fog, fluid, or whatever, went to Tom. And it was a great event. And it opened up our eyes to start doing specialty events. And we've done specialty events, and we do them, and we raise money for animal shelters. We raise money for the Thomas Fire that was in Thousand Oaks that burned out a lot of people, people's homes. Uh, we've done for make of wish. So we've got we've granted three children their wishes. Uh, and these are just great things And over the years we've, we've done about 100. We've raised about $125,000 for these different organizations. And it's that stuff that really what we love doing that keeps the passion going. And that's why I think, again, when you look at the reign of terror, it's not just how many tickets can we sell? How fast can we put people through? Because if that was the case, I could tell you right now, we wouldn't exist. And I'll get into that just a little bit later. So, so now we started doing, you know, doing these different specialty events it was great for the actors because it kept the momentum of Halloween going. I remember when I would do a home haunted house, I wished Halloween was twice a year because that we, we did so much work for one, two or three or four days. I wish it was more. Well, now it's kind of like be careful what you wish for type of thing because the haunted house now kind of runs almost year round. In 2017, we reached hundred rooms. We were at 23,000 square feet. I mean, there's something I never really thought imaginable. It's kind of like setting the bar, but all of a sudden like, Hey, we're there. Um, the space we were in, there was a huge challenge and that challenge was it was upstairs. So every single thing that was in that haunted house had to fit through a standard so, standard door. It was 36 inches by 80 inches tall. So if you've been to the haunted house and you went to it upstairs, you saw there's some stuff that's a hell of a lot bigger than that door. In particular, the truck, the pickup truck. We have a 1967 full size truck. So we, we bought it, we cut the frame, we had to section the truck apart, and we brought it all up through that door. And everything we would haul, we would bring the lumber and we would haul all the lumber up and build everything upstairs. So, but that really was the challenge of a space like that is you were extremely limited. Now, the benefit of it was, is we were on, like, we're on a, and we are today on a temporary lease agreement. Our releases renewed year by year. So being in the attic of Gold's Gym, it's like, well, no one's going to move up here. It's a tombstone. And there, over the years, we had threats. We had people that would come up, and I always thought, you know, what would happen? You know, and I never really planned for that, but it seemed like it was pretty impossible. So, but it just, we kept trucking along, moving, everything was great. In 2018, now we were at a level where we're getting tens of thousands of people in the season. We're getting... Uh, Extreme crowds and we're losing a little bit of our luster of what the Reign of Terror was all about and that was that intimate experience because how do we hold the candle to Universal Studios we do it because we don't put you through in a Congo line hey I'm a huge fan of Universal Studios I think those guys are incredible and when people come to me and say oh you're way better than Universal. I don't necessarily know if I agree with it, but I can agree with it in the sense that we could provide you a better experience. The last year I went to Universal was 2011, and I remember going through a nightmare on Elm Street maze, and I had about 40 people in front of me, and probably 40 people behind me, and I couldn't move. And I just thought, well, this isn't fun. Now I had the VIP pass, so it let me go into all these different haunted houses, but that's not what we wanted. And we wanted to make sure that we weren't gonna have that. So, but as more people show up, it gets harder and harder on how you're not going to have a big Congo line of people. So we implemented this queue line system. So we put you in in three troughs and through a computer we can control how many people go into those troughs. So right now, we have it set up where it's either 30 seconds, 45 seconds, 60 seconds, and we're putting people in between six and eight people. Four to six is actually ideal. So from that, now we're controlling how many people go in. And it's not like this group goes in in one minute, this group goes in in two minutes. Because we want to make sure that, again, everyone's kind of getting this intimate experience and they're able to kind of flow through. Um, But they're not just being rushed. But when you have 135 rooms, that putting people in in the beginning only lasts about, 25 rooms. And then people are starting to catch up. So we have requeuing focuses that are inside the haunted house where we requeue you up. The classic one is in the middle of the haunted house. It's our section called quarantine. It's kind of a post-war lab that's being controlled by kind of military. And you come in and there's a sergeant and you've got an ABCD on the floor and he can bring you in and put you into this ABCD. We can house about 35 people in this room. He pulls people in the back that are afraid, which we love to do, put them in the front. We force them through. But the whole thing is you have a huge group of people that are being entertained, but what we're doing is we're redispersing you into the haunted house. But you, you're being entertained by doing it, so we're able to achieve two things. You're still in this environment. You're never leaving this post-war because this military guy's yelling at me, but yet we're still controlling that flow. Unlike someone that shows up with a flashlight, says, oh, stop here, wait. And now all of a sudden, you're, not, you're no longer in a haunted house. You're in an old marshal's. Well, that's where... So that's you know, it. It's incredibly important to us. So in 2019, we started doing a Christmas event because we said, you know what? I mean, people love Halloween. How about doing a Christmas event? And that was extremely successful. And it's a very short-lived type of uh, event that we do. But now it's like the Reign of Terror now is a year-long thing. We're doing a halfway event or a specialty event that was in March or April. We would plan in January. We go to the trade show. We start building in May, June. We run our seasonal event. We then run a Christmas event, and then we're starting over. So, I mean, it's just, it's just a full circle year-round event that we're doing. So in 2020, uh, actually, it was mid-year 2019, I get an email from Newmark Merrill, who's the owner of the Jazz Marketplace, and anytime I get emails from them, it's not good. It's like getting an email from the IRS. They're never good. They never want to tell you that your lawn looks so beautiful. So uh, I get an email from them that says the Gold's Gym is looking to expand, and we're gonna need you to leave that space. So we've been there for 10 years. Now we're like rats up there. I mean, we have, we have built rooms, we've shot foam, we've got crown molding, we've got chair rails, we've drywall mud our seams on our walls. Now it's all designed to be taken apart and we have taken sections apart to keep it fresh and move things around and expand in the space, but it was never really designed to leave. So they said, look, this is, you know, they, we, we can share the space. I knew that was never going to work, that we could never cohabitat that space. But they had a space that was an old Marshalls that was downstairs. and They were going to let us move into that. So we said, okay, we love doing what we're doing. We've got a great team behind us, a great solid crew, and we're going we're to move. So that when we finished January 2019, our Christmas event, it was literally, I think, the next day we started moving. Now, Mary brought a crew in. Uh, a bunch of our actors and we took each room and we put it all in boxes. We uh, took down all of our wall panels and we started stacking things up and, you know, a lot of the electrical and computer lines and and cables, you know, we rolled them up, but we knew we would kind of get rid of them. Uh, It took about a month to tear the whole thing down. So now we're up in the space and you'll see it in the, in the, in the pictures. So we got about a month up in up the space and then I hired a professional moving crew. That was the best money ever spent because I think <laughs> the actors were all for putting it in boxes but they didn't necessarily want to move the boxes and I didn't blame them. I mean, we had multiple, we have three pianos, we have a Coke machine. You know, these are things that you don't want to move down a flight of stairs. So we had a professional crew that moved down in February and then March we started bolting the walls up. Now the benefit of us moving is anything that we ever didn't like upstairs, now's our opportunity. We were able to completely revamp the flow. Originally the haunted house was an old mining town that you came into and you went into our cave. And now you came into a prison and we were able to change the flow. So if you had been to the haunted house, we always wanna do enough changes no matter how many times you've been, you're substantially seeing changes that make it a fun experience. And they're not all in one spot. It's not like, oh, did you see the five new rooms we did that are all in one spot? It's peppered throughout the whole haunted house. So March, we start setting things up. Now, does anybody recall what happened in March of 2020? (laughs)
0: Let's (laughs) not talk about it.
1: So if you think about, holy crap, what have I got myself into? We've now signed a new lease. We're paying a substantial amount of money for this space. And we've got a global pandemic. Now, I thought this is going to last three or four months. But... It didn't, (laughs) Um, but the thing was, is it really kind of turned out to be a blessing in disguise because to tear down at that point, about a 26,000 square foot haunted house, remove all the led lighting, all the audio, all the computer lines, all your camera lines and reset that up was going to be an incredible feat. And although the plan was to open in 2020 and we moved to open in 2020, I don't know that we could have had the quality of vent that we have today. So it really was kind of a blessing in disguise. And I'm trying to spin a positive out of a terrible negative, but also the timing. Had it happened in July, had it happened in October, it would have been a world of difference for us. So we ran, we were able to set up our core group of people. The core group of people of our Haunted House is only about six people. That's who develops and builds and does everything for the Haunted House. And the reality of it is, if I have 10 people there working, I have five people working and I have five people watching. So for those of you who do haunted houses, that hits home. So anyway, so with the core group, I mean, it's such a dedicated team. And now we were all working from home. We all had additional time. So it allowed us to build an event. Now that I feel is so state of the art and everything. And as it has been all along, everything we do at the haunted house has a purpose. Every actor is in a specific spot for a purpose. Every prop, every animation is all designed so people who are going through are entertained, they're having a good time, they're laughing, they're getting scared, and they're getting the unexpected. So we pride ourselves on the fact that after 135 rooms, you still have no idea where it's coming from. It's coming, and you know it's coming, but you just don't know where. And that's something that we pride ourselves on and we continue to this day. Uh, I said to the crew, as soon as we can open, we're going to open the event that turned out to be April 27, 2021. That was the first time that we tried to do it in October. We went through all kinds of different means. There was no way that the city, the county, the state was going to let us open up a, a haunted house. I mean, they have a hard enough time with haunted houses as it is, let alone in a pandemic. So. Uh, we opened up for kind of our halfway to Halloween event. We had a huge pent-up demand. It was a great success. Um, it allowed us to try you know, different things, see how the season was going to work. We'd made a lot of changes. Some things worked great on paper, didn't work in reality, but we had the ability to change. So season 2021 was our best season we had ever had. I, I chalk a little bit up to the fact that there, in Los Angeles, we were shut down. There was people looking to do things, but I think it also it's, you know, the the reputation of the haunted house has gotten big enough and people know to come and they know what they're going to expect. And you know, we're delivering. So being on the ground floor though, has just opened up huge opportunities because we're not limited now to a space that's that big by 80 inches tall. We've got a roll up door. So our animations, our sets can get larger. We've got higher ceilings. So there's just new and incredible opportunities. So the great thing for us, and I remember saying this early on, you know, the day when you kind of look at the haunted house and you just think, man, this is as good as it's going to get. I don't know how we're going to top this. Those are the telltale signs that you're kind of done. You know, the, the life, the cycle of the haunted house has reached its tail end. And we're just not there. You know, we're proud of what we're doing. We always are second guessing. We always see something and think about how we could do it better. We're always seeing different opportunities. So uh, we show that every year. You're going to see that in 2022 with all the additions and the changes and stuff that we had had. You know, our mission statement that I had initially was always to provide, you know, a great, fun, incredible haunted house. Whether you want to get scared or whether you want to have a great time, the reign of terror, I think, is, is for everybody. But I started, when thinking about this, I started looking back at the landscape of Los Angeles. And I started thinking about the different haunted houses when I started. So here, I, here it is, 20. 2022, I'm 23 years into the haunted house and I started counting how many independent haunted houses don't exist. And I got to 17. And you think about spooky house, old town Pasadena, sinister point, Jeff, a great guy. Some of our great stuff is from him, but haunted houses are extremely difficult, especially in the Los Angeles market. You have a lot of things going against you. And number one is the cost but I think it's the product that we've provided and the, our mission statement of the fact that we're always doing this for the right reason is why we exist and why we're still here when so many others, you know, they, they, they weren't. Now, there was a lot of people, that, there was a lot of different reasons and, and most of them are just cost, but there's a lot of people that get in it that think, oh my God, I'll make a bunch of money and they advertise, they have some fancy video and you go and it's just garbage. And those just boil my blood because I always I'm always a firm believer on the fact that if you go to a good haunted house, when you leave, you're going to want to go to another haunted house. Haunted houses are good competition in Southern California. You can go to the beach. You might be able to go skiing. You can go to everything. So our competition is not haunted houses. It's the million other things that Los Angeles and Southern California has to offer. But bad haunted houses are, you know, they're, they're just tough for everybody. So it's, and also I just think about if we ever had to tear it down, like what would it take? I remember I had my my semi-truck trailer, and we calculated now that we would need about 18 trucks to move what we have. So in the haunted house, we have 1,350 wall panels, most of them being four feet by 10 feet tall. So it is, there is miles of, of speaker wire. We have miles of camera wire. We have thousand LED lighting Uh, it is just an incredible feat and I'm proud of what we've created and what we continue to create
0: Sign up at dantum.com/demo. That's dantum.com/demo. Our Hauntathon team includes Daryl Plunkey, Emily Louise Rua, Megan Spells, Gavin Burns, and Omni Adventures. Our partners for this year's Hauntathon include Sharp Productions, HorrorBuzz.com, ScareTrack, TheScareFactor.com, and Hauntopic Radio. The best way you can support us this Halloween season is by sharing our haunted with someone you think will enjoy it. And to follow along to our haunted sign up for our weekly newsletter at hauntedattractionnetwork.com. We'll catch you back here tomorrow and every day until Halloween.
1: This is a Haunted Attraction Network production.